Hey there, I'm Andrew Yeager, and this is WBHM Politics. Spring break has come and gone, the legislature is packed up for the session, and political observers can now turn their full attention to election season in Alabama. Party primaries are June 5th, with the general election to follow in November. It comes as Democrats nationally are feeding off disaffection with President Donald Trump and success in several special elections, including December's Senate race in Alabama that put Democratic Senator Doug Jones in office. But this is Alabama, where President Trump remains popular and Republicans remain in firm political control. Today, we'll talk about the upcoming elections, some of the dynamics at play and a few key races. And joining us for that is Zach McCrary. He's a partner with ALG Research, a consulting firm that works with Democratic candidates. Zach, good to have you here. Yes, thank you. Good to be with you. And also Elizabeth Bashirs. She's a freelance writer and founder of Bashirs Solutions. She's done communication work for Republicans. Uh, Elizabeth, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Zach, I, I want to start with you because we do have this national narrative that um, it's the Democrats' year, a blue wave. Um, but this is Alabama. <laughs> it's a very red state. Is that enthusiasm overblown? No, listen, I mean, I think we have real election results to apply here. I mean, uh, as you mentioned in your introduction, we had an historic election uh, in December in 2017 with Doug Jones, the first Democrat to win a U.S. Senate race in Alabama since the early 90s. Now, that was an unusual race full of idiosyncrasies, no doubt about it. But, you know, that is an indicator uh, that clearly something is afoot here that is a national trend, but it's a national trend that is certainly showing up in Alabama as well. Uh, And even uh, in a much lower profile race, there was a state legislative race outside of Huntsville, uh, a district that Donald Trump had carried with with 20, 30 points that the Democrats uh, came with just a few hundred votes of winning that legislative seat. So whether we looked at high profile races for the U.S. Senate, uh, much lower profile uh, races for legislature and other races, uh, it's clear that just as we see nationally, Democrats are overperforming with everything we've seen thus far, and I think the real reason to think that some seats, some offices that would not have been expected to be in play uh, a year ago, two years ago, uh, are clearly uh, at play, and, and, and Democrats will be much more competitive than anybody would have expected. Elizabeth, as you talk to conservatives, Republicans in Alabama, do you feel that they see this as a concern? Are they feeling pressure of any kind? I think a lot of people are hesitant to say it, but I think there is a little bit of pressure. I think there is some concern that there is a a blue wave coming, but I I don't think it's quite at the scale um, that some of my friends on the left hope it is. I I do think that the Senate race was exceptional. While there are plenty of Republican uh, elected officials and and, uh, people hoping to become elected officials out there that have their own amount of personal baggage, I think the Roy Moore exception was an exception. And I, I just don't think that we're going to see that level of disruption, either in in June with the uh, primaries ousting a whole lot of people or in November with um, there being a big blue wave and coming back to parity in the legislature. Thinking about Republican candidates in general, we saw this in the Senate race. Um, we see it to a certain degree in the, in the primaries as running with Donald Trump, tying themselves very closely to Donald Trump. Is there any risk to that? In most states, yeah. (laughs) But in Alabama. We'll have to see um, how the president's relationship with Jeff Sessions um, evolves over the next couple of months. Honestly, I think if there's one Republican that Alabama Republicans like more than Donald Trump, it's Jeff Sessions. And as we see him get thrown under the bus by the president, I think there will be more and more people aligning themselves with um, Attorney General Sessions instead of 
President Trump. Zach, if you're advising a Democratic candidate in general, how much would you say talk about Trump? This, this is not something that Doug Jones did a whole lot of in his in his Senate race. I would say the Donald Trump factor is really really already baked into the cake. Uh, I mean, I would say the exit polling uh, that's in the public domain uh, from the uh, the Senate election had uh, Donald Trump's favorable and unfavorable rating the same, 48 favorable, 48 unfavorable. Donald Trump carried Alabama easily in 2016. If he's on the ballot in 2020, certainly would be a strong favorite uh, to carry the state. That said, I do think we see some real lag with Trump's numbers even in Alabama. And I think there are two uh, components to that 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 really are rearing their heads in elections across the country and certainly could do so in Alabama. One is that Trump is is really an accelerant to to turning out Democratic voters. There are Democratic voters who generally do not turn out in midterm uh, midterm elections are lower propensity voters who, because of what's happening in Washington, largely because of Donald Trump, are more inclined to turn out now. And that, that is, we've seen that in dozens of places across the country. And I think that will happen in Alabama as well. And the second component is Alabama has a very high share of independent voters. Uh, and I think independent voters, and this, this comes across in polling as well, are increasingly tired uh, of Donald Trump and his antics. And some of this is not even ideological. Uh, it's Donald Trump is too divisive. They're tired of him attacking people. They're tired of the tweets. Uh, they're tired of all of that. So that, that's, a, that's a bad mix for Republicans if at the same time the leading Republican in the country, Donald Trump, is inspiring Democrats to get out and pushing independents to be more Democratic-leaning than they have in the past. That is when waves happen. I think at a state level, and I agree with you on a lot of that, Zach, and I'm harder on Republicans than than a lot of um, uh, conservative consultants. But I think on a state level, the thing that's more important is the behavior of Republican elected officials in Alabama in terms of hurting uh, candidates' chances. The last year, I guess it was a year ago today on the day we're recording this, um, that Governor Bentley stepped down. So the last year, year and a half, has seen just so much harm done to the Republican brand in Alabama. And if I'm running an upstart campaign, if, I, if I'm a challenger, whether I'm a Republican challenger or a Democratic challenger, that's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about all the issues that, re- that the Republican status quo has had. I'm not, I'm not so worried about Donald Trump because I don't want to alienate the other voters who still you know, stand behind him. And I, the majority of Alabama voters are still Republicans, and the vast majority of Alabama Republicans voted for Donald Trump in the, in the 2016 election. So I'm not going to alienate all my voters by railing against Donald Trump. I'm talking about the corrupt elected officials, both on the right and the left. Yeah, I do think that's right. And, and, and I mean, the Doug Jones prototype is apt. Doug Jones, you know, won a historic election and talked about Donald Trump virtually uh, nil, uh, right? And so, you know, the advantages, political advantages that I believe exist for Democrats exist whether or not uh, uh, Democrats, you know, talk about it or not. A Democrat doesn't have to, in Alabama, doesn't have to adopt hyper-liberal rhetoric doesn't have to make the race a referendum on Donald Trump, which I think would not behoove a a candidate to do. But those factors are already baked into the cake, uh, and that gives uh, candidates and campaigns the latitude, as Doug Jones did, to make that campaign about individual candidates and individual issues, tailor their campaign to their to the state, to their to their district, to the, to their office, and I think that is the prototype for how uh, you know Democrats can succeed in 2018. Well, before we leave the big picture, I did want to put a question to you, Zach, and that's uh, the Alabama Democratic Party has 
not been in good shape. That's perhaps an understatement, but there seems to be more energy, um, more enthusiasm after Doug Jones' win. Does that sort of internal divide the various factions? Does that just get put on hold now? No, I, I think in terms of in terms of you know factions and infighting within parties and state parties which exist on both sides, all of that in, in my experience is very much overrated. I mean, you're right. I mean, the, the Democratic Party in Alabama uh, has been moribund. Some people would use the word dysfunctional for the last, you know, better part of the last decade, and yet Democrats won a Senate seat uh, for the first time in nearly uh, 30 years. Uh, and so I think it's easy to overstate, you know, the, the impact that actual state parties have. I do think the larger question of, uh, you know, the Democratic moment uh, in the state, there is energy coming out of the Doug Jones win, uh, and some of that is very concrete. There are lists of volunteers who exist now that Democrats can tap into. There are lists of donors that gave to Doug Jones and Democratic causes that Democrats can now go back to. Uh, you can look at parts of the state. Uh, suburban Birmingham is a, is a great example where there are numerous legislative districts held by Republicans uh, that Doug Jones won and won easily. Uh, and so I do think that looking at sort of concrete steps of now we know who the volunteers are, where there are some donors that didn't exist before, and where there are some voters uh, to build co- new coalitions here. And I think that is the real, the real impact of this democratic uh, energy uh, you know, created somewhat by Trump and certainly amplified by what happened in the Doug jones Roy Moore election. Well, uh, turning to some specific races, and in this case, the, the top race on the ballot, and that's uh, the governor's race. There are a lot of names in this race. And on the Republican side, of course, you have Kay Ivey, the incumbent governor, also Tommy Battle, Huntsville's mayor, uh, Senator Bill Hightower, and uh, evangelist Scott Dawson. Those are sort of the top names. And Elizabeth, when you look at the Republican side, you've got an incumbent. Incumbency has a lot of strength and power to it. Is that incumbency too much for other candidates to overcome? What do you think? I think this might be one case where there's a chance that it isn't. I mean, she has been there a year, and that is an advantage uh, there. And like you said, there are certain advantages that come with the incumbency. Uh, we're seeing some of those right now with kind of the reluctance to show up to a debate with other candidates. Um, and frankly, you know, I think there's really only one other person in the race right now who could who presents a real challenge, and, and that just shows up in the money, and that's with Mayor Tommy Battle. And it really comes down to, is he going to be able to sell himself as not only am I a stabilizing and well-thought-of person to 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 be our next governor, but here are the, all the exciting things that I've done in my area that I want to show in the rest of the state. You know, Governor Ivy has, she hasn't done wrong things, but she also hasn't been super exciting and doing a lot of the right things too. And she's, but that's exactly what I think Republicans have wanted the last year. That's why you'll hear her talk about riding the ship of government. I think she said that a thousand times in the last year. Now, is that what they're going to continue to want to see moving into you know, the next four years? Or are they going to want to say, well, we've made small uh, increases in the standard of living and, and that sort of thing in Alabama, but what we really want is to capture what's going on up in North Alabama. Well, Zach, on the, the Democratic side, you've got uh, Walt Maddox, the mayor of Tuscaloosa, and uh, Sue Bell Cobb, former chief justice of the, the Alabama Supreme Court, uh, former state representative Jim Fields as well. There are a few other names, but how do you see this race on the Democratic side shaping up for governor? No, I do think that uh, you know both Cobb and Maddox are incredibly strong candidates. Frankly, better candidates than than you would expect uh, the Alabama Democratic Party to be able to offer uh, after being in the wilderness 
for so long. You know, Walt Mayer, a very you know, telegenic mayor of uh, of Tuscaloosa, you know, received well earned uh, plaudits for helping uh, rebuild the city after the hurricanes. Uh, tornadoes. When, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, out of the tornadoes that came through Tuscaloosa. Uh, Sue Cobb, you know, one of the only women to ever be chief justice of any state supreme court, I believe, has won every race she's ever been in. Uh, so you have really two, you know, fantastic uh, uh, candidates. I, I suspect this primary process will make them, uh, you know, whoever emerges from it, you know, will it be a meritocracy, will, will be the strongest candidate. And I do think that either Maddox or Cobb, uh, you know, has a real chance to be, uh, you know, a change agent uh, to a state where, uh, in the very recent past, you know, heads of uh, each of the state's branches of government have been, you know, e- either put in prison or driven out of office due to corruption and scandal issues. To a state where, uh, across the board, uh, uh, Alabamians believe that our schools are not up to snuff, that our roads and bridges are crumbling, uh, and that, that that leadership in the governor's office and elsewhere just doesn't have the right priorities. So I think, you know, whether it's Maddox, whether it's Cobb. Uh, I think either of those could present a real uh, uh, alternative to a you know purely status quo Republican nominee in Kay Ivey uh, at a time when I think on a lot of issues Alabamians are looking uh, looking for a change. So what is that path forward for a Democratic nominee, assuming it's Walt Maddox or Sue Bell Cobb? Should they go up against Kay Ivey or Tommy Battle, especially when Kay Ivey says, I am the change agent. I am the person that's turning the page from the way the Republicans have been behaving in the last couple of years. Sure. I mean, you know, Kay Ivey, I think, has a lot of, uh, of there's a lot of questions. Kay Ivey has been in state government, even in statewide office for the better part of two decades. She was Robert Bentley's lieutenant governor uh, uh, for the better part of two terms, has been governor through a legislative session, as the way I see it. Uh, had no real ideas or, or activity or energy to tackle any of these difficult problems, uh, to improve our schools, to make health care more affordable, uh, to uh, any plan to fix our crumbling roads uh, and bridges. So I do think this is a, a time when Alabama could be looking for a new generation of leadership, a new style of leader, uh, you know, a leader that can bring some new ideas to it. And I think both Maddox and Cobb fit that bill. And again, there are, uh, uh, not that it would be identical uh, in, a, in any way to the uh, Senate race, there is now a path, you know, demographically, geographically established that Doug Jones established against Roy Moore, where you can at least see where your voters are if you're a Democrat. Where are the voters willing to vote for a Democrat in the right circumstance? And I think that is a path that no one was sure existed until Doug Jones uh, blazed that path. And that is, you know, give some direction for Cobb, for Maddox in a race against KIV. I think, um, and I agree with you on a lot of things, but I, I think that I want to push back on the fact that there might be some of those crossover voters uh, from the Doug Jones victory that will also vote for a Democratic uh, candidate for governor. I, I think that a lot of those, particularly Birmingham suburban voters, are business Republicans, and they saw. Doug Jones as the better candidate for that particular set of interests. They saw Roy Moore as a a threat to the business Republican side of things. And I'm not sure that they're going to necessarily see that same sort of threat in the gubernatorial race. I do want to jump in here and uh, make sure we have a moment to talk about the attorney general's race, because particularly in the Republican side, we've seen a lot of money flow into this race. And we, of course, have uh, incumbent Steve Marshall, who was uh, appointed by 
former Governor Robert Bentley. Uh, Troy King is also running. He formerly held that office. Uh, we've seen uh, Alice Martin, who's a former U.S. attorney, and uh, Chess uh, Bedsole, who is an attorney here in Birmingham. So a long list, and that's just one side of the aisle. Um, and Elizabeth, how do you see this, uh, this rape shaping up? Because we have an incumbent who got there through um, unusual, unusual means. Absolutely. And, you know, I'd, I have to give um, Steve Marshall some credit in that he, he did pull the trigger on and on starting that uh, investigation into Governor Bentley. And turns out uh, if Governor Bentley hadn't resigned on his own, there wasn't a whole lot that they could have gotten him on from the report that came out last week on, on the grand jury investigation wrapping up. So he was he was able to take care of business and and turn over a new leaf for Alabama in that way. But other than that, there have been a lot of decisions he's made that I think have given Alabamians some reasons to call him into question. Um, there is a lot of concern about ethics right now in Alabama. And I think Alabamians want somebody who's really strong on ethics. I, I think that um, Alice Martin is going to give him a run for his money. This is this is one of those races that normally isn't a very exciting race that I think is going to be the really the one to watch. It's going to be the one with the most fireworks. I think Alice Martin has already shown that she is she is willing to, to go to battle with him. She's not pulling any punches. But Steve Marshall also has he has some really big endorsements. He's going to have some big money. He's going to have the ability to punch back. So it's going to be an exciting race. And I'm, I'm interested to see how that one shakes out. For Democrats in the attorney general's race, we have a couple of uh, attorneys with sort of unique names. I guess if you want to look at it that way. Chris Christie, but not that Chris Christie, uh, attorney here in Birmingham, but also Joseph Siegelman, uh, the son of the former Alabama governor. Zach, looking across the aisle at this you know, what's going on in the Republican primary and the fighting there. Does that present an opportunity for Democrats, even with attorneys that might not have a lot of name recognition beyond Birmingham? I do think that's right. I do think that's right. I I think both, you know, Christie and Siegelman are credible candidates and, you know, are are candidates who are strong enough uh, to be in a position to take advantage if the Republican process for attorney general, the Republican campaign, just completely blows up, which it seems like it might. I mean, there have been people operatives connected to uh, various campaigns using slurs against other candidates. Uh, there's been allegations that have seemed pretty credible that in, in Marshall County District Attorney's Office that Steve Marshall, uh, at a minimum, looked the other way when some sexual assaults were happening. And again, this, this is all being litigated you know, day-to-day in the Republican uh, campaign that seems almost inevitable to go to a runoff, which means that Republican campaign would be even longer, even nastier, even more expensive. I think it's, uh, you know, possible that whoever emerges out of that Republican primary could be could be wounded, could be broke, could be uh, damaged, and really does provide an alternative for Democrats. And the other race I would put in that is uh, the Chief Justice race, where Judge uh, Bob Vance is poised to be the Democratic nominee for Chief Justice, and you have what could be a very bruising, ideological, expensive primary on the Republican side, with Chief Justice Lynn Stewart being challenged by fellow uh, Supreme Court Justice Tom Parker, uh, who, again, shades of the Roy Moore dynamic. Tom Parker, very much a Roy Moore-style Republican. I think both Attorney General and Chief Justice are among the two races that could provide some statewide opportunities for Democrats. I completely agree with you on the point about um, all the the bruising that could happen in the primary process and how that could have lasting effects going into November. For the last two decades almost, it's been the GOP primary is the election, so you spend all your money there. Couple that with, I, I think donors are really, really weary. December took a 
big toll on people who usually give to Republican uh, candidates. They put so much money into that race initially for Luther Strange, largely, and and then to to try to put Republicans over the top. I have clients who are hearing from donors who have given to them for years that hey, we're just tapped out. We gave all this money and didn't see anything from it. You know, we're we're hesitant to give any more. So, couple that with the fact that it's probably going to be a pretty ugly primary season in some of these top races, and you could really see some some funding unbalances that haven't been an issue in the past become an issue in November. Well, as we wrap this up, um, I put a question to both of you, Elizabeth. What are you going to be watching for as this election season progresses through the primary into the general election in November? I think, ironically, I'm actually going to be looking at what's happening in other states. I think there are some other states that are are similar um, demographically to Alabama where we can see what's happening there and and how much of the the Trump effect is, is really occurring. I wish we could find this out before November, but I think one to watch for a, a nationwide trend is going to be Texas. It's a, a state where it's rapidly urbanizing, but there it's been Republican for a really long time. Does somebody like uh, Beto O'Rourke have a chance against um, Senator Ted Cruz there? I think that's going to be a good key race to watch nationally, and I think that will kind of give us a gauge for the Trump so-called Trump effect. In Alabama, I, I really want to see how much these ethics issues are going to be harming Republicans in the general election. I think they should be the number one point that challengers are bringing up in the primary because we need the strongest, most most ethical candidates that we can find to be able to take on some of these allegations that all Republicans are corrupt in November. And Zach, what are you going to be watching for? I think two things, just how negative and nasty and, and, and ideological do these Republican primary gets, whether for governor, attorney general, chief justice, other, other races. Uh, Republicans just don't have the margin for error that they have had in previous elections. And that, that I think is the lesson coming out of the Roy Moore election is there was a, a theory that there was nothing Republicans could do to lose the Senate seat in Alabama. We saw that Republicans didn't have enough margin for error to account for, for Roy Moore and those dynamics in that race. So, But I, I don't know that a lot of these Republicans have learned their lesson. So I think it's very possible the Republican primaries could nominate very flawed, wounded, perhaps mortally wounded candidates for some of these statewide races. And the other thing I would look at is, and some of this is going to be anecdotal, but is just the type of energy that Democratic candidates, whether it's the Walt Maddox and Sue Bell Cobbs, or whether it's more at the local level, the energy that is, that, that is coming out, whether it's in town hall meetings, whether it's in you know, volunteers uh, coming out, whether it's people going door knocking, I think there's some evidence that that is out there for Democrats, that Democrats are tapping in to the type of energy that, frankly, in the Democratic Party we haven't seen in a long time, even when Democrats were winning uh, some elections in Alabama. It wasn't necessarily because of this grassroots energy. So I think sort of those two factors, real organic energy among Democrats and a Republican Party in Alabama that, that still may believe it has more margin for error to nominate irresponsible badly wounded candidates, then I think it really does. Well, that's Zach McCrary. He's a partner with ALG Research. It's a consulting firm that works with Democratic candidates. Uh, Zach, thanks for talking with us. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Andrew. And we've also heard from Elizabeth Bashir. She's a freelance writer and 
founder of Bashir's Solutions and does communication work for Republicans. Elizabeth, thank you. Thank you so much. And that's it for this edition of WBHM Politics. The show is produced by Gigi Duban and myself. Our theme song is by local Birmingham guitarist Eric Essex, and it's called Find Your Way. Let us know what you think. Send us a message through the WBHM Facebook page or tweet at us. We're at WBHM, or you can use the hashtag WBHM Politics. If you haven't subscribed, please do it. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would, help us out by writing a review. I'm Andrew Yeager. Thanks for listening.